It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And I have my beads on and a fun costume. Do you know why, Jill? I do, Chris. It's Mardi Gras. Yeah, it, Mardi Gras is tomorrow. Tomorrow. I am I'm already. I have my float. And uh, this Are you on a crew? This year the the theme is Cookie Lab on the float. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. If you well, hear any as- noise in the background, it is the cookie laboratory whipping up batches of Mardi Gras treats. Well, that's what I've done for us this week. I know, I know. So I've got uh, tons of our Labrador retrievers working on uh, replicating this right now as we speak. Well, let's tell the listeners about it, shall we? Oh, should we? Should we? Or can we just eat them and enjoy it instead? No, no. because every cookie has a story. Oh. We will enjoy it. Okay. We will, it will enhance our enjoyment. Oh, I love a good story. Yeah, so I knew that Mardi Gras was coming, and last year we made king cake cookies we did and it was so good but i didn't want to do the same thing again and there's another kind of cake that my new orleans college roommate used to have sent to us called dobage cake dobage yeah or it's spelled like doberge but you pronounce it like dobage it's many layers skinny skinny tiny thin layers of sponge cake and chocolate pudding and I couldn't, oh I wanted gosh. to make that into a cookie. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I want to, I want to recreate it for Cookie Lab, but there was, it, it just wasn't, the only thing I was coming up with was like a petty four, which is really just a small cake. Yeah. I need to do some more work in the lab on that one. So instead, I thought, well, maybe there's a Cajun or Creole specialty cookie. And I searched around and found something called pillowcase cookies. Oh, fantastic. This is a Louisiana sugar cookie, and of course I made it gluten-free. The main difference between it and other sugar cookies I know is that it uses raw sugar, so the kind of chunkier, browner-looking sugar crystals yeah. that I use all the time in my in my tea um, are an ingredient in this cookie, and um, I also made them alligator-shaped. The inspiration for that was a website called Garden and Gun. Oh yeah, it seems like I feel like we're down on the bayou with our well. Yeah, ha- that's how you, you our... have to you have to protect yourself against the alligators, right? So it's called pillowcase cookies, according to New Orleans chefs, including a gal called Alzina Toops. Oh, that sounds from, very New Orleans. She's a Cajun. Her mom is of Portuguese descent, and her dad was from Nova Scotia fur trappers. Is that who settled New Orleans? So there's Creole and Cajun in there. It's like a French-influenced Southern cuisine, depending on whether the Cajuns came from Canada. And so it's like Acadia, but with a... Did you know that I was today's year old when I learned this? Oh, well, I'm so happy to be able to provide you with something because you usually know everything. So they're like French Canadians? Yeah, and then who came down and then and then Creole is more of like a Caribbean yeah, right. influence. So, but those are both, you know, New Orleans, Louisiana cooking. And so Alzina Toops is from the Cajun side and then there's a guy called Chef Kevin Belton, um and he also makes this cookie that he's from the Creole side. So I can't tell you whether this is a Cajun or a Creole cookie, but it's definitely a Louisiana cookie. Both of these chefs make it. 
and it contains more baking powder than I would typically put in a cookie. And it, like I said, this raw sugar. Now, I was a little worried, Chris, that it, with being gluten-free, that such a bare bones cookie, I didn't know if it would be fantastic enough. So just in case. Yeah. Right. Like, so don't you find with, I guess if I had a critique of the gluten-free, it, ch- it might change the consistency of a very plain cookie such that you might want a little something, something to distract you. Sure. And a sugar cookie often of itself is not that exciting. Well, and it doesn't have to be. Right. But, um, Sometimes you just need event, a plain biscuit. Right? right. Well, in any event, just in case I mixed up some bourbon icing, bourbon flavored <sighs> icing, and put that on half of the cookie. So what I have brought to you, as you will see on your plate, is some alligator-shaped pillowcase cookies and some round bourbon iced ones. Now, I forgot to tell you why they're called pillowcase cookies. Yeah, I'm, I'm still wondering. You're wondering about that? Yeah. Well, supposedly the oyster fishermen. You know, I love a fried oyster po'boy down there. Oh, sure. Who doesn't? Yeah. They would go out for weeks at a time for their work. And so they brought all the cookies that they could carry in a pillowcase onto the boat <laughs> to remind them of their warmth of their home. I want a pillowcase so it's full like... of cookies wherever <laughs> I go. Yeah, you know. so it's like, you know how sailors bring hardtack? Like, it's it's yeah. like a sweet version of a substantive hardtack that they would have with them in their pillowcase. Yeah, yeah, you could sleep on your pillowcase of cookies. That might crush them up, though. Yeah, but that makes a little more sense of why it would be a plain sugar cookie and it might be a little more firm than like say a Lufthouse cookie. Right, right. That would not wear well on the oyster fishing rig, nor would this bourbon iced one. I think it would be a mess. Right. Yeah. So so the alligator shape traditional Mardi Gras turbinado sugar cookie is more authentic to the oyster fisherman. Well, probably nobody had a copper. I happened, I have no idea why I happened to have a copper cookie cutter in the shape of an alligator. So it's very detailed. You can see it. If you subscribe to our Facebook page, Cookie Lab Pod, you can get the recipe for this and you'll see the fantastic picture of the alligator sugar cookie and the bourbon frosted ones as well. Yes. And so without further ado, we can, I guess, taste the cookie. I've told you everything and I think I'm probably speaking twice as fast you might want to slow me down when you do the editing. I don't know. Okay, but, yeah. But um, I think Listeners, if you were, can... listen to this in regular speed, I've slowed Jill down seven times. and Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, th- I think she's been eating the sugar cookies continuously. I haven't. I have No, I haven't eaten too many. I, I, wanna, I wanted to see what our reaction would be like. I haven't even tried the frosted one. So which should we eat first, Chris? The plain one? I think the, plain, the plain one. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Oh, that's a crispy cookie. Sure is. Mmm. I like it. Yeah. Nicely browned on the bottom, kind of caramelly. Bit of different flavor. The uh, turbinado sugar is a much more molassesy like sugar. So you're going to get a little hint of, you know, molasses in there. And plus, I think there's a tiny bit of caramelization on the bottom from the, being baked in the pan. When I tasted this last night, fresh out of the oven, I could notice the crunchy sugar crystals a little bit more than I am right now. Do you, are you noticing a crunch of sugar crystals? Not really. The whole cookie is crunchy. I like it. It's very satisfying in its crunch. 
Unlike some sugar cookies that are just bland, you know, and you need that frosting on them, mm-hmm. this has a whole mouthful of flavors of vanilla and caramel and molasses and alligator. Would, wait, well, it's good. <laughs> but would oyster fishermen even have pillowcases? Like when you're on a boat, do you even have a pillow or are you just Think like back to the, the old Spice commercials. You know, I don't watch television, Chris. Well, this was when we were children. Oh. And they had the sailor walking down to the port. And what did he have slung over his back? A pillowcase? Something that looked like a pillowcase. It was a sack of some sort. You could keep all your belongings in a sack. I'm quite sure that the Old Spice commercial is the veracity that we... I think that's all I need to know. It's authenticity. It's it's, probably... Yeah. Sailors all around the world would go with a pillowcase so that they could take, you know, their belongings out. Uh, They could keep a pair of pants in there and maybe a sweatshirt. Their peg leg. A sweatshirt. No, peg leg would be too hard for sleeping on. Oh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's a camping thing, right? Like stuff your pillowcase with your change of clothes. Yeah. Or your sleeping bag case. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was was enjoyable. Can we um, taste the frosted one now? Yes, let's try that one next. Maybe a little little palate cleanse, a little water. I'm going to go with a vanilla coffee. I've got a cup of tea with the turbinado sugar stirred in. Oh. All right, here we go. Mmm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No. Way too much bourbon. Right? Oh, I love the... (laughs) I love the addition of the bourbon. It's too much. So the recipe I used for the icing, which we will also post in our group, is it said use one to two tablespoons of bourbon, but taste after one tablespoon. Yeah. So I tasted after one. It wasn't strong enough. So I put in another half. Yeah. And... I think it might be too strong. You seem you seem fine with it. This is all I ever want to eat ever again. <laughs> oh. Well, first of all, if you don't like bourbon, you're not going to like this this frosting. No, I'm, maybe I should back off on that a bit. My only complaint is that it hides a bit of the... Of oh, yeah, the, the cookie disappears. The cookie disappears. And which is normally good with a, sh- a plain sugar cookie. But you miss out on a lot. All you... All you taste is the bourbon. I love it. And I, I'm going to eat this entire cookie. But I, I really a... do appreciate the pillowcase cookie by itself. Mm-hmm. I, think it's a per- I think it's a perfect sugar cookie. All right, two things. First of all, it's so delightful to me that you say that because I think that when we were sending each other our lab notes, that you thought maybe another boring Jill cookie was was not going to be what you were after. But it's it seems like, in fact... It's exactly what I needed. You you really like it. Okay, so good. Well, it often it often it also sets off my flamboyant outfit uh, for the <laughs> Mardi Gras float. So true. It's really like a subtle a and understated. Yeah, a yin and yang thing with the with all the debauchery of of Mardi Gras going on all around us in the lab right now. The other thing I was going to say was that my tester today was my husband Jeff. And this is his take on it. He also liked it, but he what he said was if he wanted to just eat one cookie, he would eat the one with the icing. But if he wanted to eat a whole bunch of cookies, he would want it without the icing. I did have to rid my lab of cats before recording this. That's an interesting take on it, too. Now, I think I could eat a number of either ones. If I wanted to dip a cookie in coffee, 
I would take the unfrosted one and dip it in coffee. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to drink my coffee on the side, I would have the frosted one. Well, all these things are possible. Yes. And you know what else is possible? A bit of science to go with your cookie. Oh, yes. Let's talk about it. My goodness. Did I go down a rabbit hole of science? What did you find? I just started out with in like... In that rabbit hole. You know, what's the difference between turbinado sugar and, and granulated sugar? And I started out with the entire process of how sugar is made. And some of our listeners may not know that sugar comes from sugar cane, which is a type of perennial grass. It just grows back again and again and again and again. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And if you plant one stalk of it, you can cut it off. You can stick another stalk in the ground and... It will grow up to eight more stalks. Oh, sounds like a bit of a weed, actually. Oh, it's a grass. Uh, I think that happens with a lot of grasses. And uh, mature sugarcane looks like bamboo. It has jointed stems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you go through the process of making the sugar, of the products that you get, 72% of the product is water. Okay, of the mass of the I understand. sugar cane, you're going to get 12% sugar. Then you're left with this fibrous material, which is about 13% of the mass. And then molasses is really uh, the s- stuff that is left over after you have processed the sugar. Okay. And you're about 3% of the mass. You know, what I was surprised about was wow. how early sugar making was used. How early was it? 500 BC. Wow, that's a long time ago. In India, the process of of pressing sugar cane to produce cane juice and then boiling the juice until it crystallized was developed in India. No idea. Yeah, I didn't either. So... Here we go. Imagine that you and I in our laboratory, outside our laboratory probably, have uh, grown a field of sugar cane and we want to make our own sugar. Here's what we'd have to do. We would wash it. We'd cut it into shreds. We'd press it using big rollers and we would separate the juice from the plant material as much as we could. Okay. Then we would put the juice into an evaporator that boils the juice until the water boils off. So like a still. Okay. What's remaining is a syrup. We're going to then vacuum boil that syrup. Interesting. We lower the pressure and it's able to boil at a lower temperature. Uh Uh-huh. Eventually, the sugar is going to crystallize out of that syrup, creating a substance that I can't pronounce. Mascuit, M-A-S-S-E-C-U-I-T-E. I'm going to say mascuit. Okay. So the mascuit is poured into a centrifuge. And I know when we were in our laboratories doing a little bit of preparation, you wrote to me in all caps, centrifuge. (laughs) 
Yes. Uh, a centrifuge basically is a big spinny thing, and it spins around mm. and around and around, and the sugar crystals fall away from the syrup, that, and it's being spun at a significant force. And the remaining syrup, ladies and gentlemen, is molasses. So, so much to unpack here. Who knew that, I mean, and pe- and people were doing this in 500 AD. No, they were just boiling the juice until they got crystals. The crystals are now called raw sugar, but they're not food grade sugar. No? No, because it has a lot, at this point, it has a lot of impurities, mainly more molasses still stuck there in the sugar. So it's kind of yellowish. So it's sent to a cane sugar refinery mm. to be melted, clarified, decolorized, evaporated, crystallized, and finished. There are so many steps. There are. And the decolorization usually uses things like powdered bone char. I don't even know what that is. I don't either. And different polymers and hydrogen peroxides or sulfites. This is crazy. Like, I just assumed it was like, oh, the sugar is comes from this plant, the sugar cane, and you just like pound it out and, nope, and you're it's good. A like, huge it process. seems like a, such a pure product, like a simple, pure product, but apparently not. No. The latest thing for decolorizing it is what is called ion exchange resins, which trap organic and inorganic color-forming compounds using chemical ion attraction. Talk about a rabbit hole. Very scientific. Yeah, you can go down yeah. forever. So the sugars are classified in a number of ways, including crystal size. So you've got your granulated sugar, you've got your powdered sugar, you've got your super refined sugar, or color, white and brown. Turbinado sugar, we finally get to it, is partially processed sugar that retains Mm -hmm. more of the naturally present molasses. Mm -hmm. It's also called raw cane sugar. Same thing. Mm -hmm. And it has larger crystals than brown sugar. Right. So there we are. There we are. Yeah. So, Chris, while you were explaining all that, I looked up the word, and it's, I I believe, pronounced masquite. Mm. From the French, mass, which means mass, and quite, which is a past participle of the verb to cook. Oh, fascinating. Very good. C-U-I-R-E. Yeah, so... And that is when we boil it in the vacuum, and we've got this, the sugar crystallizing out of the syrup, creating a substance called masquite. So the the French are all over this because we have the Creole, we have the Cajun, we have the masquite. Yeah, and we have you and me sitting here just eating cookies and saying, hey. Hey, laissez les bon temps rouler. That's right. And I don't know what that means. So I say, <laughs> let the good times roll, Jill. <laughs> and keep your paws off my pillowcase cookies. <laughs> excellent. Did you excellent. like that? I kind of like distracted you. You did. Did a little, you did. little obfuscation, a little, yeah. And then you slipped in the uh, one of our t- many taglines. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I hope everybody has a fantastic Mardi Gras and that, what is this? This leads up to Lent. Is that it? Yeah. So Lent would start, the next day would be Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent. All right. So, and we're not going to give up cookies. We'll be back next week. With a fantabulous cookie invention of our own. Woohoo! You don't want to miss this episode. Sounds like a party. It is. And a cookie. See you next week. Bye. 
It's Cookie Lab.